Welcome back to the Make Gippsleen Great Again podcast. Uh, you're here with your hosts, Corey and Joanne. We're just interviewing uh, Liz, a local South Specialist School assistant principal who's just been in Ethiopia setting up a school for the last couple of years, uh, has made her way to Gippsland, and uh, is just telling us about how she was uh, recruiting some new teachers uh, into the fold from uh, both international but also local. So uh, just just on that, uh, in recruiting some locals and and in, in starting the school, how did you find that, uh, was it hard to get community buy-in for what you were trying to achieve there? Uh, or was that, did you find that flowed really easily? No, they loved it. Um, a lot of the local teachers we got had teached, were previously at other local schools okay. and they wanted to come to us because they saw it a way to improve themselves because there were um, what we're called as Ferengi, um, as in foreigners, so oh, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. So to them, it was they could better themselves. So they wanted to come. They wanted to learn. They thought we we had something for them to offer. Like I said, um, they don't really have an education system. None of the teachers have in local schools would have degrees. They just got a job there. Yeah. Right. Wow. So yes. so you were fully funded by the businessman from the US. Correct. And then so then how would those other local schools fund themselves? Those locals people would pay. That's school's not compulsory over there. So if you can't afford to go to school, you just don't go to school. Right. So a very small percent of people actually go to school over there. Okay. And so for you guys, did you was there a pay per pay for users or um, did he completely fund the whole thing and just open it up? Yeah. Um, so the people we sort of means tested them. If they could afford to pay something, they would pay something. Yeah. And those who couldn't didn't. They yeah. they came for free. Oh. Awesome. I, yeah. I love that. So we had both. Put, we had yeah. full, full paying, a higher amount, all the way down to free. Yeah. It puts value on education too when there is a cost, like even though it obviously puts a little bit more pressure on a family, but I don't know, like the, the value of education is very different. Um, in other countries, I've spent a little bit of time in South Africa and it okay. blows my mind how the kids are just like absorbing you like a sponge, you know, asking you questions mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm struggling to actually speak basic English to them and they're like, you know, got two dialects and native tongue plus English under their belt. Yeah. Um, but they are and they know that the power of education creates a lot of freedom and breaking poverty cycles and different elements mm-hmm. of their continually battling in those countries so it amazes me that you know you've taken that on but you're obviously knowing that there's going to be buying from community like Corey said and knowing that it's going to be valued and appreciated by these families yeah uh, probably one of the other big issues that we had was getting girls to come to school okay um, education for girls is not valued at all yeah. you just yeah. grow up you get a job and then you get married and have children that, yeah. That's the female in Ethiopia. It's changing yeah. a little bit, and that you know women are wanting to have more of a career. Yeah, so getting the young girls, especially the ones more from the villages, mm. there's no value. <coughs> Educating women, there was no value. So we really went out there and recruited them to get them in, and offered other things on the weekends for the parents to come in, so we could get the girls to school. Did you have any because of that culture with? in Ethiopia, did you have any resistance from families, like offering their girls to have education or was it more, yes, like we want them to grow and develop and, you know, be more than just a housewife or was it a, a bit of a mixture? Um, 
the more affluent are happy for their children to have an education, girls, the less, and as I said, the more people from the villages. Yeah. Yeah, There's no importance for a girl to have an education. Yeah. Is the culture very much the the husband or the man in the family goes out, earns earns money, and then the wife is looking after kids, cooking, cleaning, like that? Yes. Speaking about like 1950s, <laughs> but like you were saying, <laughs> I remember you saying like the time, the time is completely different. Yes, it's 2016 over there. So I automatically <laughs> uh, lost a few years. I felt much younger the moment I landed there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I just thought, oh, I just got to get rid of those wrinkles to match my new age, my daughter. <laughs> yes. So they're, working, so they're working off a different calendar and a different clock. Yeah. Is this so, for real? Yeah. Yes. Okay, bring me up to date. Go, 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 go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 2016 over in um, Ethiopia at the moment and sometime in September they have their new year and it'll be 2017. So they're behind. Wow. And they're, <laughs> it blew my mind. Blew my mind. I know. I know. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you were saying like the time time is completely different. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not just a different Yeah, so the time starts at when the sun comes up and the sun comes up every single day at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. So like what we would say 6.01 a.m. is mm-hmm. um, just past, you know, morning. Mm-hmm. So our 9 a.m. is their 3 a.m. So if I wanted to meet somebody at 9 a.m., I'd have to say we'll meet at 3 a.m. Because if I said oh. let's meet at 3, uh, it, that could be either 9, yeah, in, it, like it's all. Wow. So, so, so yeah. midnight midnight was 6 a.m. for us or, yeah. <laughs> the turn of, yeah, into the next day starts at yeah, right. 6 a.m. So yes. that was the start of the next day is it when the sun comes up. Yeah. It's still 24 hours then from then to the start of the next day? Yeah. Yeah. But but they just click over at 6 a.m. So um, I had to get my head around when I would need to speak to someone. But one time oh I, I went on a holiday and I was I traveled, was traveling through Africa and I came back and I asked one of the drivers, my flight did land at our 3 a.m. And uh, so I really wanted someone to pick me up. I didn't want to be at, you know, the airport at 3 a.m. by myself, a female. And mm. I'm it's nobody here, nobody here. Like I told him I'm landing at 3, you know, in the morning, but that's mm. 9 a.m. So I so I would have had I, kittens. Yeah. <laughs> so that would have been. I was. You, you were actually, so you would actually have to tell them 9 p.m.? No. Well, so when I. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have to say, yeah, nine PM. Pick me up at nine PM, which is wow. three AM. Three AM. It's a different yeah. paradigm. <laughs> I know. I wean. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Corey's struggling because he's a mess. Oh, no, so. no, so me, I'm just it's, like, it's that sounds crazy. wonderful. <laughs> and so I think this is like a like how um egocentric I think Western culture can be. Is that like I have no idea that that exists. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I assume that everybody around the world is on the same timeline, is adhering to the same no. parameters as what I do mm. because of what I'm fed through my own media, et cetera, et cetera. Like amazing that, you know, like that, that exists, that, that, you know, there's a, a nation yeah. that I'm well aware of 
exists. Oh yes. On, on this time, on mm. this completely alternate timeline. Um, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well then, what do other countries do? Are there other, yeah. you know, in, in the Middle East? How sheltered are we? Differently as well, because yeah. um, you know, don't adhere to the the standard Judeo-Christian timeline, and so then because mm. you, I don't know, like they're just like, oh wow. Crazy. I remember yeah. one of my friends was telling me she's got a friend in Nepal and mm. in one of the really small villages and she said, I'm not going to be super accurate with this, but they um, have a completely, like if you have a different timeline, they, um, I think they only have nine names. So when you have a child, you'll name them one of the nine names, male or female. Oh. And it's really, like, it's really so different to get my head around like, but yeah. that means that like forty-five people are turning around when you say John. Like, yeah. <laughs> but there's a reason for it, and it is tradition. But there's like actual reason behind their culture. I'm like, I'm so sheltered. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so sheltered. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. I'm. I feel like I'm semi-world travelled too. Like, <laughs> crazy. Mm. So, what are what were some of the other big cultural differences for you that you found like going going from Aussie, particularly Melbourne, uh, big city, and then into you know, that completely different environment. What were some of the big cultural uh, challenges that you faced? Everything there was beautiful but difficult at the same time because it was so behind us. Mm. They don't have credit cards, things like that. It's all cash-based, um, so you've got to learn to go and take out your wad of money to get you through. Yeah. So all those sorts of challenges were, were difficult. Um, again, females, um, I don't want to say second-class citizen over there because, you know, it was such a beautiful country, but mm. they just don't have the rights yeah. that women here have. Mm-hmm. They they just aren't seen or treated. It's not uncommon. You, everywhere you went, you'd see women with babies begging for money and food. Men, there's no th- thing as child maintenance. They would just leave the women and yeah. find somebody else. Life yeah. moves on and they've got the children. Things like that were, were difficult for yeah. me as a female. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, um, a, as a female being, were you, so were you heading it up? Or was the, the guy from France or a bit of a partnership? It was all partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but, but yeah. being there and doing that, was that a, you know, and being female, was that a real challenge for you to be accepted by some of the businessmen in the community, other, other leaders in the community, be able to, to get an audience or to get things done? Um, sometimes the men wouldn't want to speak to me. They would want to speak to Daniel, who was the guy from France, or Juan Dawson, who was the gentleman from Ethiopia, so between the three of us. Um, so Daniel and I did, like, all that academic kind of side and Juan Dawson did, like, knowing how Ethiopia works, all the legalities yes. and the more sort of helping us with the finance of how, how or helping us jump through the hoops of getting things done there. <laughs> yeah. yep. That's his role. Um, yeah, so some didn't want to speak to you. They would only speak to males. Um, more of the affluent there who have travelled, left Ethiopia, they're, they're fine. So it was like everywhere, you know, there's rich, rich, and then there's poor, but the yeah. rich are a small percent and then the majority are very, very poor. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. When you different. when you got to, like, had you been to Ethiopia before? No. 
first time in Africa. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow. So can I just backtrack because I'm a bit of a dreamer. Yeah. I love, you know, I'm very much a visionary person. Um, mm-hmm. how, what was your concept of Ethiopia before you were in Australia having these conversations and then you're in, say, six months in the in the process? Where was your headspace when you're in the midst of it um, versus you know, the vision, the dream yeah, I think in Australia. I, I, didn't, I didn't really have any because I hadn't been. All yeah. I could think of was, you know, like lions and zebras and things like that, thinking of yeah. Africa. But I knew in Ethiopia they don't have them. So <laughs> I was thinking maybe more like deserts, I guess, because it's yeah. so, yeah. But um, when I got there, they've got a huge, such vast different um, countrysides over there. Wow. So. Yeah, um, I, I sort of didn't go with any preconceived ideas of what I was going yeah. into. I, like I told you, I got on the plane, I just burst into tears and thought, well, what have I done? Where am I going? What, you know, wow. am, I, am I coming ever coming home alive? No. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But when I got there, you settle in pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just going out of your comfort zone. Um, it is. That's the hard part. Yeah. But uh, it's quite liberating when you do go out of your comfort zone yeah. it's scary I was scared like I said I was in tears but mm. when you actually do it um yeah you feel really liberated that mm. you and you realize just the strength that you actually have inside of yourself yes of, of yeah. what you can do and mm. what you, you don't think you can do yeah, yeah so it, it was um a real journey for me personally yeah. as well it's a bit of that purpose thing too like you weren't just going just for you. You weren't going to mm. have a break or to get away from something like you have a gap to, here. Yeah, you you were really going with a purpose and with a drive. Yeah. Um, I, mm. I read a quote the other day, and it said, um, uh, "When you when you're aligned with a with a vision and a purpose, it pulls you forward. You don't need to be pushed." And I was like, mm. oh. and I feel like for you, I don't know for you that that sounds like for you you were like. Yeah, I'm going and I'm going here with a purpose and, and I really want to mm. because, mm. You, you know, you see education as a way out of poverty and you see education as a way to help people get out of, potentially out of Ethiopia altogether uh, to be able to create mm. for their family and and uh, and to come back and, and really give back. And I think that's that's just amazing. Like that's so cool. So, yeah. so. Yeah, well, that's we, we had to have a vision and that's what set us up of what is our vision here? Like mm. what does, is this? going to be so and then yeah. that that was the goal at the end yeah. so every every step took along the way and then we kind of started at vision of what the image of what would be at the end and then we went mm. backwards you know yeah. all the yeah. steps that we had to do to get the school up and running so yeah yeah did um, now it's up and running functioning yeah so uh, so well, i had two questions there one was there a lot of directive from the gentleman from the u.s or did he just no, go? He has no idea about here's, education. Here's the cash. Make it Watch up. the dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. We're up to the mole guys. Yeah. <laughs> what a no. dream. As and far so, as building yeah. vision goes, like. <laughs> yeah, that's. Wow. Like, awesome. Did he go and visit the school? Like, has he seen yeah. his investment? Yeah. Yeah. He came out yeah. twice. Yeah. Um, and he sent me a message not long ago saying um, he would like to go again halfway through this year. So, yeah. 
yeah, he came he Amazing. came out to us to have a look at the school. He he's, has no edu- he's a business background, yep. no idea about education, but he just knew it was in good hands. And we would send reports constantly of what we were doing yeah. in photos. And because we were so proud of everything we were doing as yes. well, we wanted to share it with whoever wanted to see yeah, what we were doing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that when people like when you're working with people. I've never had this experience of people investing money into my dreams. However, <laughs> but when, when you, like, are working in a team and people, I don't mean to box people, but stay in their lane, like know what their uh, purpose is, know what their function is, and then mm-hmm. trust the other team members just to, to pick it up and run. And there's just fluid movement then, I feel. And I think, like, a little bit of this story is that that trust of people knowing what their strengths are and just running with that, having the confidence too. Would that be right? Correct, yeah. And the two gentlemen I work with, Daniel and Juan Dawson, are just yeah. lovely, humble men. Um, wow. What a privilege. Just amazing. Um, yeah. So, and their knowledge and their experience and just everything. So I learned a yeah. lot of them as well. So it was just yeah. a really big um, place of learning for me really, a, a journey yeah. of learning myself, a journey yes. of learning otherwise people and a journey of just learning from people around me and to yeah. realise we all have a story to tell. Um, yep. Every story is different, and, yep. but we everybody has a story. And I, I came back very humble and mm. I've come back with a different perspective on life, a um, mm. little bit of PTSD, but, yeah. yeah. yeah I get a bit well. upset when I see now people complaining about their coffee too hot or... <laughs> You know, just what are our problems here are just yeah. nothing what these people experience, you know. Yeah. Nothing on my day walking to work and seeing a couple of dead bodies on the side of the road or confronting diseases or starvation or yeah. they've got mental, um, issues, mental health issues. There's no help there. There's no medical mm. system there. Um, we just And you just realise how lucky are we that we were born in the country we were born in. Yeah. to the families we were born in. Yes. Like, I, I don't know, there's something bigger out there. I think, how, how does that all happen? Yeah. 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 It, was a, it was a big journey. I yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. So what you- it gives me a lot of faith in humanity. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. Hugely. Mm. And I think when you, like, you are working with people that are like-minded, so to say, it does. It, it can go, well, there is all this going on. However, the here and now we're making an impact yeah. and you can only hope that those kids are breaking those poverty cycles and, you know, will continue that for the next generation. It's like that, you know, you have that one generation that starts to break the cycle and I think when you can go, okay, on, on the micro set, we're making an impact and it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And we had yeah. one thing we really wanted was showers so people could shower because most people, you'd see a burst pipe or somewhere locally and you just see people running with their clothes yeah. and buckets and tubs just to get fresh water because yeah. they wouldn't have fresh water for days on end. Um, <coughs> yeah, like, wow. yeah. I, I know, so just seeing the poverty, you just realise how lucky we are. So yeah. I feel really grateful for, yes. um, you know, a roof over my head and knowing where my next, that I can just walk to the supermarket and buy some food. Yeah. Yeah. Would you take your girls there? And knowing that they're young adults now, but would you yeah. 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 
yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah, I've taken mine to Nepal and to India and, and stuff. So they've seen a fair bit. You can mm. adopt me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are your daughters? What are your daughters? Do you think I am? <laughs> I know we're probably the same age, but <laughs> how old are your daughters? Uh, what are your daughters doing now, Liz? You're telling me. Um, so I have one daughter who's just living in London now. She's a vet. Oh, wow. So she's gone over there to work and travel. Um, so she's over there and my other daughter is a flying dentist in the outback. She's working with Aboriginal communities. So they get there. What a brilliant I, I have no that. idea where they get their sense of adventure from, though. Like. No. <laughs> no. That's yeah. really cool. That's right. really cool. So having, having done this, having built the school and, and seen uh, so and the impact that it can have on a community, um, and yep. doing it a bit differently. Are there things that you did over there that you're like, I wish we could implement that in our education system here in Australia? Or some mm-hmm. things you did differently, you're like, well, there's some things <laughs> that we need to shift and I wish we could do. Shift um, here? Yeah. No. Our education system's pretty good. Um, mm. We Over there you're just jumping through hoops the whole time. Mm. There's so much corruption. Um mm. It's difficult. We struggled to get resources in, so we would be like painting. We would find paint or would ask locals who would use different um, muds or seeds and things, um, taking the pigments out of nature, and we would paint dry beans as our counters for our school. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you can't get resources in. Uh, the government <coughs> would take them all off you or you would have to pay yeah. very exorbitant bribes to get them out of customs. Mm. I mean, I'm not to say that, but, yeah, you, you had to. Wow. Yeah. So you just, huh. so, yeah, not that it wasn't available, you just literally couldn't get it into the country, like through the country borders. No. If no, you went they, and grabbed it yourself, is that like smuggling stuff in? Um, I did come in twice. Um, I went over to Europe and brought things and packed my, I went over with nothing and packed my suitcase and brought some resources. But as you can imagine, books, all of a sudden I was well over the the weight limit. You know, we paid for a few extra suitcases. Um, I got some of it in. They did take some off me. Um, But, yeah. So everything goes through customs there. Yes. And, and there's, convenient. Also, there's also civil war broke out while I was there as well. So well, there's um, civil there are, war back here too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So they were extra tight on what was coming into their country. They're very paranoid about anything coming into their country. Yeah. Right. I just say you just. I don't know, lightly mentioned civil war breaks out while you're in Ethiopia, middle of COVID, you know, you're starting a new school. Come back to civil war, um, please and thank you. (laughs) What, how did you get through that in your head? Like were you feeling high risk at this stage? Were you feeling safe and secure because you knew your network around you? Um, No, I had my backpack ready to go. Ah, run at any time. I yep. got onto the Australian embassy to tell them I was there. Um, they said few, several times they would email me or call my Ethiopian number to say, leave, go now. Um, yep. Yeah, sometimes you'd hear some gunshots at night and you're lying in bed going, oh, God, what am I doing? <laughs> wow. Um, but it was okay. It was um, 
about 400 kilometres from where we were, mm. the, the fighting, and, yes. again, most of their fighting's on foot. They don't have... Okay. So they have to walk. Them. So I figured I, I figured I had a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of time if they're walking 400 k's. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That is work. a very Australian attitude of just going, this is big. However, She'll be right, mate. She'll be right. We will get through this. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just wow. thought, yeah, 400 k's, that's going to take a long time to walk. So yeah, yeah. And if they're yeah, carrying yeah. all their weapons and bits and pieces, it's going to be heavy. So I figured yeah. they'll be walking pretty slow. And yeah. it's going to take them a fair while. So yeah. I've got to And you're really it. hopeful that the intel that you had about where they were was was reasonably accurate at accurate. that time. Oh, uh, well, I was hoping so. Yeah, you heard <laughs> it. Yeah. And, so, you know, they cut off all Wi-Fi at different points. That's probably when I was the most nervous, when yeah. all of a sudden I couldn't access any Wi-Fi to make contact. Anything. Yeah. Anyone. I they yeah, cut it off a few times. That was the most time I was I was nervous. I was like, oh god, here we go. It's, a, it's amazing how reliant we are on the internet now. Like uh, yes. as a society, it's uh, changed the face of how we communicate and how information flows. Mm. Yeah, and I guess with that over uh, that um, you were saying, like the internet would cut in and out quite regularly, and no electricity, no water. Um, you couldn't mm. even rely on the internet for resources, really, could you? Like no, because um, no. You may or may not have had access to it day to day. Correct. So, um, yeah, it was very old school. The school, as mm. in far as, you know, we had whiteboards and blackboards, that kind of thing, whatever we could get our hands on and we we just did the best that we could. We The English National Curriculum, just like our Australian curriculum, is all online. So we just knew what we had to teach, so we just had to improvise and come up with the best ways to teach what we had to teach to get them. So. Fair enough. And yeah, uh, so did you, again. did you stay at the school? Like is that where you lived or you lived elsewhere lived, at a unit? I lived in an apartment up the road, uh, <laughs> probably a 100-metre walk from the, the school. Yeah. And you spent so I would ask, the time? We had guards at our school and there was guards at my apartment block and I was saying, can we run up the, the street between from here to here? <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to pass two banks and I became very friendly with the, the guards there who had the AK-47. So yeah, I was very friendly. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, baking for them every day. <laughs> don't shoot the fringy. I would say, don't shoot the fringy. <laughs> Gosh. Wowzers. Very resourceful. Wowzers. Very resourceful. So yeah. um, so is Daniel, Daniel and, sorry, what was the Ethiopian gentleman's name? Juan Dawson. Juan Dawson. Are they Juan still Dawson. at the school? No, so Daniel's gone back to France and the school's now running um, it's self-sufficient, it's going on its own. Wow. We have two locals kind of running the school. I still, well, tonight would be my night. I get online every Monday night and help from here, mm-hmm. have meetings with them, and Daniel does it on a Thursday. Wow. Juan Dawson still does. He has a little bit to do with the, the school. He goes in and helps with all the finance as wow. well, overseeing. We, we hired an accountant to do all the, the money side. Yeah. And he just oversees all of that and reports yeah. back to the owner of the school. Mm. So you've got it to a place where it's actually quite sustainable Correct. for that local community to mm-hmm. keep running with it, yep. but you've wrapped around it. You're not leaving them. You're ensuring no, success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we run classes for adults on the weekend. They learn yeah. English and I say computer skills. We build a soccer pitch because they all love soccer or they yes. call it football. 
Love yeah. it. So all local kids can come in. We have times when they can come in, obviously not during our school hours. Um, and then we run, we've hired some PE people and, and they run like little um, uh, fixture, you know, like round robin kind of with soccer for mm-hmm. the kids, the local ones who don't come to school at all, who can come in and still kick the footy and run around and, and play a game of soccer. So we, we do that as well. So it was really important to us to also have, you know, it to be community-based as well. Not just a school for the children, but a place mm. for everybody t- to be a part of and to be feel welcome to come. Mm. So we utilize it for that. So yeah, about seven hundred and something children there now. Wow! Yeah, what? That's a lot. That's high yeah. impact. That's huge. Oh. Wow! Yeah. It goes from early years all the way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a primary you- school and a secondary and an early years all together. Yeah. And if yeah. you think about like how many families that is, and then and then when you're doing computer and literacy stuff for the adults as well outside of that, mm. like that that impact is massive. massive. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I, do you feel like uh, so coming back, you've gone back into a more traditional role, you know what you used to, uh, mm. if, and you've been what nearly six months now. Uh, do you do you feel like you're getting itchy feet again that you that you might look for? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to Zimbabwe next. <laughs> I've come to Gippsland. That's my yeah. next adventure, you see. Yes. Uh, there's no itchy feet because this is my next, you know, uh, maybe yeah, if I chapter. just went back home, if I just went back to mm. Melbourne, yeah. I would. But because I'm here, I'm here to explore and learn all about Gippsland now. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got to start finding the bike trails and Yes, that's what I love. Is the rail thing. trails? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to get onto all of that. So yes. yeah, that's so cool. now I'm on my next adventure. So no, yeah. that's Zip. cool. That is really. It's yeah. so good because I feel like you've had. I don't even want to demoralize it by calling it an experience. Like you've lived a life um, mm-hmm. for the last couple of years building this school in this whole different culture. So what you're bringing back into sale in our community, yeah. my gosh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And I know, you know, it'll trickle in, but, it, it, you know, I think, like you said, like all our experiences mesh together to contribute to building something quite beautiful and, you know, just, you know, this is the first time I've met you and, you know, thank you can sort of gauge that, that heart for other people, the heart for community, yeah. obviously that mm-hmm. can translate into any community given the, the right people to build with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I went yeah. to that ESO dinner on Tuesday yes. night mm-hmm. and it was just lovely there talking to people from the community and how yes. passionate people of sale are about sale and, and that really <laughs> warms my heart that I've come to a good place. Oh, great. Yeah. You know, that people love where they live. So. Mm-hmm. It's lovely too. So that it was very warming, and I thought, yeah, I've come to the right place. Bit of a confirmation. Yeah. So yeah. it's good. That's cool. Yeah, that's nice. That's cool. But now I'm here. Good on you. In winter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But that's okay. Nice to have a winter. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. how windy it was here in Sale. Oh, it's like, very yeah. windy, and I don't Michael think September. It... <laughs> oh, September. Oh, September. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've lived up. I've lived here most of my life and every year I'm like, I that's so windy. Yeah. I haven't accepted it yet. So Okay. <laughs> I'm in sheer denial though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I do love but, our area. <laughs> you have you don't you have less rain than Melbourne, that's for sure. Except for last year. We had an extremely wet winter coming into summer even. It was very long. Oh. 
yeah. period okay. of rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But be- usually, yes, we have less. <laughs> it's Victoria. Yeah. You don't like the weather. You just wait. You just wait. <laughs> wait an hour. <laughs> It'll change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it changes. So yeah. All right. So well, yeah. Liz, thank you so much for your time. We we. Oh, we, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been oh, great. Loved. Hearing I didn't realize story. my story. Anyone wanted to ever hear my story? Oh, we're so. Keen. I have so many other questions. Yeah, I'm in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can meet you at um, one of the local pubs and we can have a drink and yeah, a chat. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, awesome. so down for that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I, I know. Think I Friday was my first Friday night after work going down for drinks. I was like, oh, you're a local. Then I walked home. I thought even better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's the thing about Sal. You, you're really, nothing's ever too far. Like you literally that's just, right. just about everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I think so. like with most of the people we've having these conversations with, I think Corey and I both walk away going, oh, we need second interviews. We want to hear more of the story. Yeah. Uh, I think because. Mm-hmm. That's just part of who I am. I love hearing people's stories and what makes them tick. Um, but also I think it's inspiring and I think yeah, you oh, build absolutely. connection by hearing people's stories. It keeps yeah. you motivated, keeps you on track. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, thank you for having me. It's been great. Uh, we'll catch you up on the Make Gibson Great Again podcast next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to Make Gippsland Great Again. You can find more great podcast content on all your good podcast providers such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Podbean. You'll also find us on TikTok at Sale Community Connect and... And Instagram. See you around, Gippsland.